Your Bible, so Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, as we've been preaching all month long on angels, the messengers of Christmas. We've been looking at Luke's account of this amazing moment when Messiah is born in Bethlehem's manger and what the angels said and what they would say and do during this time. Uh, again, if you look at this night, I know it's about a lot of things for a lot of people, and I, and I get it. If you were to ask your friends, your family, uh, basically, what's Christmas all about? Many would say it's about family, and that's, that's a great thing. It's about family, about family coming together and being together and having this great moment. Maybe they've been out of town or maybe been away for a while, but now they're back on this Christmas night, this Christmas season. For some, we say it's the food. We love the food. We love the, 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 the turkey and the dressing and, you know, and, and Mama's you know, pecan pie. And my wife made these amazing new sourdough cookies last night. They were amazing. I had them for breakfast this morning. I'll have them for dinner again tonight. I just love them. But the, the food, we love the food. Of course, we love the presents, right? I mean, all of us hope to have that, you know, that, that Lexus with the red bow out front, you know, tomorrow morning. We love, the, okay, something under the tree, that special gift, you know, for the kids, you know, especially the guys, you know, Red Rider BB guns are great. I mean, we, we love that. We love the movies. Uh, I mean, almost every, you know, night during the Christmas season, my wife and I would watch these Christmas movies, and it was amazing uh, how they came up with these themes. Like, there was always going to be this really mean fiancé, you know, and go about to marry this really nice girl, and she meets a guy who comes in for Christmas, and they don't like each other, and then she breaks up with the fiance, and then she marries the new guy for Christmas. Amazing, right? <laughs> just the theme is just like, wow, how do you come up with this? But the reality is this this night, this day, this season is about worship, it's about the worship of Messiah. Because the reality is, and maybe you never heard this before, or maybe this never registered with you, or maybe you don't even believe this, but the reality is that we were made by God and for God to worship God. The whole reason why we have been born, that we are here, that we were created, was to know and worship the one true everlasting God who showed up in Bethlehem's manger that we could have life abundant and life eternal. And Luke talks about this in Luke chapter 2. He says this on this first Christmas night. Beginning now in verse 12, he says, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby. And as he lay in the manger, and when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told unto them. May the God who inspired these words now speak to us as we understand that tonight, this day, this season, our lives is about one primary thing, and that is worship. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, I pray that tonight, this day, this Christmas season, oh God, that our hearts will be stirred up in such a way that we'll have this amazing desire to know you, to make you known, and to worship you 
in spirit and in truth. We thank you, God, for this season and what it means and what it represents and the hope and the joy and the healing and the salvation that it brings. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, for Mary and for Joseph, the road to Bethlehem had been difficult. 90 miles, she was on a donkey, pregnant. Again, the only company she had was a teenage husband. And once they're in Bethlehem, it's crowded and there's no room for them in the end. And the best that that could be offered them is a stable for her, a feed trough, if you will, for Jesus to be born in, to be put, placed in. And that would be the beginning of this family's difficulties. You see, weeks later, after Jesus is born in Bethlehem's manger, weeks later, the local government put out a hit on Jesus. They wanted to kill him. And so they flee to Egypt, and the Bible predicted this would happen. And so the point is this. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. doesn't matter how rich or how poor, whatever your circumstance. Here's what we all know. Life is difficult. Life is difficult. In this world, Jesus says, you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. But life is difficult. As a matter of fact, years ago, there was a very famous song written. As a matter of fact, it was the Beatles' last number one hit. For those of you who love trivia, play this game. What was the last number one hit of the Beatles in the summer of 1970? It was the song, It's a Long and Winding Road. That was the Beatles' number one hit, the last number one hit. It's a long and winding road. And you know the song, you have sung the song. And so one day Paul McCartney, who wrote the song, was asked the question. So what does this song mean? The song, it's a long and winding. This side, no, this side. What's this song all about? What's the song, it's a long and winding, what's it all about, Sir Paul McCartney? And he says, it's a sad song. Paul McCartney says, this is a sad song. It's about the unattainable. It's about a door that you'll never open. It's about a door you'll never reach. It's about a life that has no real contentment, a life that has no real understanding, a life that has no real purpose. And part of the lyric says this, many times I've been alone and many times I've cried. And anyway, you'll never know the many ways I've tried. And still they lead me back to the long and winding road. Here's Paul McCartney, a billionaire, who writes about a song, or writes in a song about life, being alone, life being a time of crying and trying, life that's simply a long winding road, life that so many things are unattainable. And here he is, a billionaire known and loved around the world. Years later, another famous artist, Bruce Springsteen, would write these words. He says, I have no inner peace. I feel bad most of the time. And I hope that one day I will find some help. Bruce Springsteen, again, very popular, very wealthy, very powerful, a person who has gained fame and fortune. And he's going, you know what? I have no real inner peace and I feel bad most of the time. And I don't think I'll ever find any help. Here's my point. We all have a common dilemma. See, we all have problems we can't solve. We all have people in our lives who don't see things our way. And we all have personal expectations that we will never meet. And we all fear the same things, don't we? We fear the welfare of our children. We fear, if you will, what's going to happen to our health if we don't get the right report from our doctor. We fear our finances. We fear our family stability. And we all need the same thing. 
Me, you, all of us, we all need forgiveness. We all need understanding. Because sometimes, here's a newsflash, you're hard to understand. And so am I. And we all need someone to understand us, to get where we are. And we all want, and we all need love. You see, even psychiatrists will tell you that we're wired to love and to be loved. And we're not loved and we're not giving love. Things don't go well in our heart or in our mind. And we all have the same questions, don't we? The same questions are, where did I come from? And what's my purpose? And what's right? What's wrong? Where am I headed? We all have questions about our struggles. Why is it that some struggle more than others? And why do I struggle more than you struggle? Or why do you struggle more than I struggle? We all have questions about the regrets in life. What if I would have finished college? Or what if, what if, what if I had not been so angry that day? Or what if I would have just told her to please come back? Or what if I would have said to him, I'm really sorry. I know I messed up. The what ifs of life, right? Which means this, we all need grace and we all need truth and we all need life. So here are some common questions again. Is there any hope for us? Is there any hope for you? Is there any hope for me? Is there any, again, hope for that you will have in this life or I'll have? Or is this as good as it gets? Can I ever have peace in my life? Bruce Springsteen wanted to know. Paul McCartney wanted to know. Will I ever have any peace in my life? Will I have any peace in my family? Will I have any peace in my relationships? Can I ever be forgiven for all that I've done, for all those that I've hurt? for the decisions and choices that I have made. And here's a question you ask each passing year as you read about this star or this athlete or this celebrity dying. Is there life beyond the grave? Will I really see my loved ones? Is there really a heaven that waits for me? And we all ask the same questions at some point in life, which was the reason for that very first Christmas. You see, on that very first Christmas, the gifts that we all needed came into Bethlehem's manger at the birth of Messiah. The gift that we all need, because we all need grace, because we have all messed up. And we've all had temptation overtake us. And we've all let others down. And the reality is we all need grace. We all need truth. We want to know, is there anything I can be really confident in? Is there anything I can really build my life upon? And again, we all need life because when you're dying and you are, then life is something we all need. We all want grace. We all want truth. We all want life. And on that first Christmas, when Messiah was born, what every heart needed came into the world. And when Messiah was born, the heavens lit up with angels. And the angels declared these words, glory to God, praising God, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward man with whom he is well pleased. Glory to God. And when Jesus showed up, the presence of God became real on this planet. The presence of God, Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. The presence of God became real as Jesus, again, born in Bethlehem's manger, but would grow up to do the works no one else had ever done, to say the words no one else had ever said. And to make the claims no one else could ever make. He said, I, God, in human flesh, I am that I am. And so many times people would say, you know what? If God would just show up, 
If God would just show up, you ever met that person? If God would just show up, I would believe. Why doesn't God just say, hey, here I am? And I say to people, he did. He showed up. And when he did, doing the works only God could do, saying the words only God could say, people still didn't believe him. People still turned away from him. For he did show up. God in human flesh. And many still would not believe him. But for those who do believe, for those who do embrace him, they find a joy in their heart. They find a joy in their life. They find a joy in their home. Unlike anything else, unlike the world can ever give. But to those who forget who Jesus is, or maybe they never learned who Jesus is, they miss the presence and the joy of God. And for some, it's been a while since you felt the presence of God in your life. So on this difficult night in Bethlehem, on that first Christmas, as it's crowded and it's confusing, and this night again was so crazy for Mary and Joseph and all the things going on, tax and senses and Roman soldiers everywhere and all these things, Matthew and Luke record something unique. Matthew recorded something amazing that night. Matthew recorded that angels came and they were praising God. And Luke said there are shepherds glorifying God. And Matthew says, and the magi, the wise men, they came to worship him. Because you see, in the plan of God, that first Christmas night, it was about two things. The very first Christmas night was about two things. Number one, it was about God with us. Emmanuel, Jesus being born in Bethlehem's manger, God coming down to our level, beginning in the form of a baby, God with us. And the second thing is our worship to him. So two things that night, God with us and our worship to him. See, Christmas is about worshiping him. And here now is the reason for the reason why we worship Messiah. Because first of all, he is the why. He is the why we have grace. The Bible says we are saved by grace through faith and not of works, lest anyone should boast. No one will stand before God one day and say, God, weren't you glad I was on your team? Yeah, I did it all right. I, as a mom, I did it all right. As a dad, I did it all right. You know, I was the perfect this, I was the perfect that. I always, I did it, I, was, I did it. I mean, you are so lucky that you had, no. The word of God makes it abundantly clear. The only way that any of us will stand before God and find our way into heaven is because of his amazing grace found in Messiah Jesus who did for us what we could not do for ourselves. So he is the why we have grace. He is the why we have truth. He is the why we can build our lives on his amazing life, amazing grace, amazing truth, amazing word. What he declared about life and eternity and future is true. He is the why we have hope, hope for tomorrow. He is the why we have hope for 10,000 years from now. The other day I was reading an article and some astrophysicists are saying that, hey, there's going to be another you know, meteorite or a comet headed our way and maybe hit our earth in the year 2036 or something like that. And I'm thinking, okay, okay. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. That is the hope of heaven for every follower of Jesus. He is the hope of life. He is the why we have love. 
a love that bears all things and believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things, a love that covers a multitude of sin. He is the why we have life abundant. He is the why we have life eternal. He is the who, the one who gives us life for we have been made by him and for him. Ladies and gentlemen, hear this. He is the one who defeated death. He is the one who prepares us for heaven. He is the one who's prepared a place for us. You know, I love that scene in John 14. It's a few hours before the crucifixion. And Jesus gathers his guys around. He says, guys, listen. He says, I need to tell you all something. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And there where I am, you'll be there also. And you know the way where I'm going. And then there's Thomas who looks around and goes, am I going to speak for everybody here? We don't know how, where you're going. How do we know the way, Jesus? And then Jesus utters this amazing line. He says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, Philip, another disciple is going, Jesus, if, if, if you could just show us the Father, that would, be, that would be enough for us. And Jesus says to Philip, 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 how long have I been with you? He who has seen me, Philip, has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, here's the point. It is Jesus who we worship because he is what life's all about. He is the only way to God based on his word and testimony. And we worship him because he is how we are redeemed and he is how we are reconciled and he is how we are renewed. And because of him, Messiah is worthy of our worship. And that's why on this night, that first Christmas, two groups would emerge on that first Christmas night. And two groups would emerge and forever remain. Group number one, those that would worship him. And group number two, those that would not. And those two groups continue even to this day. So here are the two groups, those that did worship him and those who would not. The first group, those who would not, they would be classified, first of all, as the indifferent. Those who don't worship Jesus are often indifferent. And they were there that night. That night, they were the religious elite. To them, there was no anticipation of Messiah. You see, the religious elite, they had their rules. And they had their customs. And they had their traditions. And they had their understanding of life. And there are certain things they did just that they wanted to do. And I don't know, a Messiah, a baby born in Bethlehem. I don't, we don't need it. We have everything we need. We're fine. Thank you very much. We have our traditions and our customs and our rituals and our sacrifices. We have everything we need. It's amazing that years later, that group, the religious elite, the Pharisees, if you will, they would be the very ones that would constantly try to trap Jesus in something he said or something that he did because they didn't like him. For Jesus would say to them as he's talking to the crowds, he would say, you have heard that it was said, but I say unto you. But on that first Christmas night, the religious elite, they were indifferent to them, Messiah was just a theory. There was no focus. There was no anticipation. Why? Because they were just indifferent. No big deal. We're good as we are, said the religious. 
elite. The second group in that category were the ignorant. No recognition of the times. They had no idea of the prophecies being fulfilled. They had no idea what Daniel had said or what Isaiah had said or what Micah had said about the coming of Messiah. They were just ignorant. It's amazing to me the number of people who, when you talk about Bible prophecy, things that are happening in our world, they just don't know. They, they just don't know. No knowledge of the events occurring no real interest. It was just another census, another baby being born, another rumor about some Messiah, and who cares and who knows and who needs it, said the ignorant and the indifferent. Then there was the indignant resistant. You see, like Herod the Great, he feared this child would come into his world, if you will, and come into his kingdom and take over. Because you see, Herod... Herod the Great, who built so many things in that time that's still, again, around today, he didn't want a baby messing up his life. He didn't want a baby getting in the way. He didn't want a baby taking over. He was in charge. Life was all about him, thank you very much. Because he wanted to be king. Ever meet anybody like that? I'm afraid you'll come across a lot of Herods in your life. I want life to be about me. I'm the king. I sit on the throne of my heart. I don't need Jesus sitting on the throne. I'm the king, so said Herod. There are also those that night that would worship him, by the way. The angels of God would worship him. See, the angels were made by God and for God to praise God, just like, just like you, just like me. We were made by God and for God to praise God. And tonight, as God came among humanity... The angels of God declared glory to God in the highest. And later on would come the Magi, the kings of the east, if you will. And they too would come and they would worship him because they would calculate Daniel's 925 prophecy and put together all the mathematical calculations. And they knew when to show up to worship the Messiah. A third group that worshiped him were the shepherds. They were there at Bethlehem's manger. And they were humble, and they were willing, and they were thankful. You see, the truth is this. Only the humble, and only the willing, and only the thankful really worship God. You see, you have to have a humble heart to worship him. You have to be thankful. You have to be willing to truly worship. This is why the Bible says, God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. So if pride's your thing, just know one thing. Your opponent is God. Not my words. Take it up with James and Paul and John and Jesus. Just, you know, send a little text and figure out how this works. But he said, I'm opposed to the proud, but I give grace to the humble. So tonight... Here's the point. This day, this season, you get to choose what group you're in. For you see, on this first Christmas, the angels praised him, and wise men sought him, and the humble, the shepherds, the humble glorified him. So when you follow him, when you worship him, that's when you find meaning and purpose in life. 
That's when you have a sense of joy as to what's happening in your world, what's happening in your life. You may not understand it, and it may not be pleasant for this moment, but you have this truth, you have this promise that God works everything together for your good according to his purpose. And once we understand that reality and embrace it, we can look back over our lives and see the work God has done. Many of you have already done that. Many of you have already said, you know, when I look back on 2023, I didn't understand why I was going through what I was going through at the time. And quite frankly, it was difficult. Quite frankly, my heart was breaking. But as I see God come into, come into play, when I see God come into my life, when I see God come into my circumstances, I begin to see that he made a way when there was no way. Once you worship him, you start finding meaning and purpose in life. You see, Sir Paul McCartney said it's a long and winding road. But Jesus says, no, no, Paul, it's a narrow road. It's a narrow road, but it's a road that anyone and everyone is welcome to walk. It's a narrow road, for I am the way and the truth and the life. But whosoever believes in me, though they die, yet shall they live. And everyone who lives and believes in me, really, Jesus says, never really dies. See, you can't have purpose. You can't have meaning. You can't have life abundant and life eternal because of what happened in Bethlehem's manger on that first Christmas. And when that joy hits you, you worship him. And you cannot help but say, oh, come, let us adore him. May we pray. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the season. We thank you, O God, for that first Christmas. And centuries later, we thank you for the Christmas Eve and the Christmas that we look forward to this day. So bless us, O God, and use us for your glory. And let us know what it means to worship you in spirit and in truth. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's our tradition here at Live Oak to end our service with a closing song, but also to give you an opportunity to open your heart, perhaps if you've never had before, especially, and to just ask Jesus to be your Savior and to be your Lord. You're going, I'm not sure how to do that. I'm not sure what that even means. The people you see in front of you, they will help you with that. Just come and pray with him for a little while. You go back to your seat. No tricks, no gimmicks. Or maybe that you're going through a really difficult time. And you go, Mark, I'm just struggling right now. I know it's Christmas, but I'm struggling. I just need prayer. I need God to show up. These folks will pray with you and pray for you. And all the other things that could be happening in your life, if you feel God just moving you, leading you to pray about your situation, And maybe prayer doesn't come easy for you. Maybe this is a little embarrassing, whatever. Don't let it be. Just humble your heart. Pray with one of these here in the front. And you'll be glad that you did. As we stand for our closing song.